0: Afternoon everybody, or morning, or wherever you are in the uh, world, good evening perhaps. It's Alex here with another uh, podcast and I'm delighted to welcome uh, Jonathan. Uh, Say hello Jonathan, wave to the camera for those on YouTube. Hello. Alex, how are everyone else? Excellent. Uh, Now I know Jonathan from uh, PwC Days and Jonathan ran their uh, PwC Scale Up program and uh, let Jonathan talk to what that is. But he has since taken the, uh, the leap of faith and is now, I think bootstrapping is the trendy, the trendy term within VC space and startup space. Um, his own business with uh, some of his team, uh, Mountside Ventures, and their strapline is fundraising done differently. But we will come to that in a, in a minute. Uh, so over to you, Jonathan. Thank you for giving up your, uh, no doubt, busy, uh, busy schedule. Um, who are you, background, story to this, and let's uh, see where this takes us.
1: Sure, well, thanks, thanks a lot, Alex. Thanks for having me. And as you say, I spent um, a good eight years at PwC, had a really good time, started in their accounting practice, moved around a little bit, worked on big IPOs, big companies, and then about five years ago, joined their innovation team. Mm-hmm. We're building all sorts of different early stage positions. One of them is the scale program you mentioned, which I did with a colleague, who's later continued and actually spun off um, out the firm three months ago. Um, with the same venture now that they're continuing the scale program powered by um, this new company. And then a few years after that, went on to start their fundraising practice, specifically looking at um, helping companies with their first social check. And about nine months ago, we decided with a couple of colleagues to, to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was a, it was a difficult decision, but um, now, we're, now we're through it. We haven't been back since, really, and we've had a really good time
0: building a new business during COVID. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, five might- months ago, you probably weren't thinking that there's going to be a global pandemic when uh, you're just launching. <laughs> no, we
1: didn't. And we, we were a bit worried initially, but actually, it's been a it's been a good time to launch in the sense that a lot of startups and a lot of funds are actually looking to raise. And there's there's still a lot of money out
0: there and a lot of companies that are looking for capital. So actually, it's worked out. It's worked out fine. Fantastic. So um, let's just kind of build on the, what the scale up piece was to give some com- context to where we are uh, now, and then we can talk about kind of the here and now, and what you're seeing in the market, um, advice we can give to you know, VCs and or um, startup scale ups. But you know, what was the well, not what was it still is the scale up program that PwC um, has and you, you helped build? Sure. So the the idea was
1: supporting early stage companies by connecting them to previously big corporate client base. Mm-hmm. So the idea was you had all these, probably B2B companies, yeah. selling into a corporate is inherently difficult. Yeah. There's a current there's a, a process, you've got to get legal involved, you've got to get the IT department involved, you then got to get the decision makers involved. Mm-hmm. Some companies do it a bit off the cuff and just identify one individual, get there, get them to onboard them, and then start piloting the product. Yeah, other B two B companies might take a lot longer because they've got to jump through all these hoops, uh, and so the idea behind that program initially on the on the corporate side was really to work and support with those early stage companies by connecting them directly to those C level decision makers, mm-hmm. but also by educating them and teaching them how to talk to big companies and how this process works. Yeah, um, and on the fundraising side, very similar, very similarly. You know a lot of these companies are looking for funding from, from venture capital funds mm-hmm. that process is is long it's strenuous, it takes a lot of time and actually a lot of companies uh, don't go about it the wrong way you know they, they meet and they meet a whole bunch of different investors that might not be right for them that mm-hmm. have any capital to deploy and so there's a lot of time wasted and yep. so the objective on the on the fundraising side was can can we make that process more efficient for those companies as well.
0: Okay, and this was across uh, sort of all sectors that the, the program kind of focused on in terms of you know I, I have worked and I still am working with them. so you know retail, legal, fintech, regtech, tech agri tech in some uh, in some uh, instances. And um, so what what was the gap that you spotted that kind of was the spark that hey there's probably there's a better way of doing something and I think we can help kind of fill that that you know, fill that opportunity, fill that gap, as it were. Um, the gap on the I think on the corporate side was that in,
1: in the UK, especially, there's there's a lot of support for very early stage companies. Yeah, um, and there, there wasn't much support for the later ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that have got the idea already have got yeah. some proof points, have got some commercial traction. Mm-hmm. And that and I guess that was where the source of the, uh, the opportunity came from was that there, there is very little support for companies that are mature yeah. well initial more than a couple of years old yeah um, and have got a team and mm-hmm. are actually looking to scale. And, and that's where that that program and that initiative was really targeted at those companies that needed a bit more support, but but were well beyond you know an idea and a couple of customers.
0: Yeah, and so what sort of revenue? We're talking you know, half a mil, mil revenue type of uh, type yeah. of thing. The, the
1: program looked at all sorts of different companies.
0: It was probably from a couple of hundred k, but all the way to
1: you know even ten, ten, twenty million revenue. Okay. Cool. So it really was, um,
0: it really spun a number of um, number of different um, sizes. Fantastic, and then through through that process or through that that program, I we'll highly recommend anybody um, join it. I'm still mentoring on it in terms of what I uh, what I do. We'll put the links etc. here here there somewhere and on the podcast. But what was the through your experience of doing that, and also in the more I said corporate side of things, that when you were at PwC, which is given you have a nice broad range of you know the 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 the, the, the how and the why out there. What what did you See, or what were you hearing that sparks for you personally and, and, and your team? You think I know we're doing this under the PwC kind of umbrella, but we think there's an opportunity that we, as individuals and in the team that you know Side Ventures was born out of, could create. What was that gap or that that opportunity for you particularly? Um, for
1: us, one of the opportunities was that we wanted to get more involved on the fundraising side with with companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and often the amount of time they needed, yeah. uh, they need a lot of time on on their decks, on their models. So mm-hmm. for us, that was a big big opportunity. Yeah. Another one was that um, startups are becoming increasingly um, globalised. And it's not, yeah. you know, not, not within one particular country. And so we wanted to work with European companies, mm-hmm. rather than just just UK companies. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, as you know, working in a big corporate brings its pros and cons and the the red you know signing a client within 24 hours as opposed to three or four months the amount of time it takes to sign a PLC yeah. has been,
0: has been uh, a joy really. <laughs> been able to move move a lot quicker we've become more nimble yes and you know so I I have been on both sides of the um, uh, the coin being kind of a solopreneur brings its uh, <laughs> other challenges uh, alongside that so so Mountside Ventures um, was was born um, any what's the thought process behind the name if there is any. Sometimes it isn't. the The thought process was um,
1: all around uh, fundraising kind of like climbing up a mountain, yeah. Um, and that was kind of the the, orig- the origination for the name, yeah. Uh, and ventures because we're doing something something different, yeah. Uh, we essentially established our own venture.
0: Cool. So uh, what fundraising done differently? What, what, why, what are you doing differently? What's the USB to what you and the team bring to you know, similar uh, outfits out there who help organizations do what they're trying to to do through the varying facets that you've discussed? So what are you bringing to the table this that's different and unique to um, the, the perceived competition data set?
1: So the, 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 the proposition is all around helping. The very best entrepreneurs raise their next yeah. round of capital and it's also around helping venture capital funds um raise their own funds and yeah. so that in itself is unique because there are no organizations that help both the early stage companies raise from vc funds yeah and famously help the vc funds raise from what the the ecosystem calls limited partners or family officers yeah. i.e the people that invest in the funds, which then invest in startups. And so one of the, the biggest unique aspects of the business is, is helping both sides. And as a result, becoming um, positioning ourselves at the center of the fundraising landscape, by which I mean, if we can support venture capital funds, raise their own capital. Yeah. That puts us in a really nice position to be able to understand which one's raising and which one's deploying. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we can then use that information to support the entrepreneurs raise from those funds that have got capital deployed so we cut out a lot of those um, meetings where startup might meet people that don't have any um cash that's one of the one of the yeah. aspects is different um, another aspect that's different is we work on a purely success fee model okay uh, so typically we might do three to four months of work up front with with companies before they before they pay us yeah and for us it's a deferred payment services so we do a whole bunch of work up front getting them ready introduce them to investors and help them close out their term sheets. And we only get paid at the end of that journey. And yeah. so entrepreneurs quite like that because the ones that, um, you know, don't have any money now, but the yeah. value and that can um, leverage some of our experience from looking at hundreds of different term sheets and the, the and the investor network that we built can actually put themselves in their best forward. So I think those are probably the, the two biggest um, biggest
0: USPs that we we um, that we talk about when we speak to companies. Awesome. So, as you were talking around the first point, being the kind of that 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 centre point between both, you know, VC and um, uh, and scale up startups. <laughs> Forgive me for saying this, but you're the quasi Tinder of the VC world. You're the matchmaker in terms of bringing the right people to the to the right people. And that's that's a very unfair thing to say because I know it's a lot more than swipe right or uh, a swipe left. So let's just. So the VC side, I think, is an, is is an interesting piece. Let's kind of talk to that for the for the moment. So I guess you're going in there and this could be are these established or are these also I guess you know brand new that they, they come in and they want to understand where can we go or who are the right people to go and raise money from and that in the family office world back in my day PwC in the private client space that's quite opaque and it's a lot of kind of who you know and behind the scenes kind of uh, kind of stuff so um that I'm guessing is giving you a really unique insight in terms of the the VCs themselves, but then the the um, the motivation of the people that are putting money into this is the types of company that they are actually gonna be interested in um, investing in.
1: Yes, yeah, so the, what we've seen is that there's a lot of companies raising their own funds at the mm-hmm. moment. If you speak to accelerators or incubators or um, ex-entrepreneurs that want, are looking to interest in investing in startups, it seems like everyone's raising their own fund. Yeah. Um, for us, the, the biggest pain point um, that we find themselves in is um, for those early emerging fund managers that are raising their first, second, or third fund, um, because typically they might not have a track record, mm-hmm. which in kind of startup land is the traction required yeah. um, to actually um, to convince someone to give them their, their money for them to identify those early stage companies. And so a large part of the work we do in that space is <clears throat> all around connectivity yep. and also a bit of an education piece. So we, we released um, a, a survey a few months ago and actually we're launching the report next month called The Capital Behind Venture. Mm-hmm. And That report is going to be all around providing insights from the investors into funds yep. and a practical um, guide for some of the terms they're looking for, for the way they want to be approached and ultimately yep. and who those organizations are. Because if you go on a VC's website, it's mm-hmm. very clear who they um, invest in, what they're looking for, and where they invest. Yep. If you go on an investor like a family office website or a limited partner website, which is could be a big corporate or could be the government, it's not very clear nice. what the process is. And so we're, we're, we're trying to educate and support that ecosystem by providing those insights. And then the second thing we're doing is organizing community events where we charge either the the, the fund yep. or the investors in the fund uh, to ensure
0: that we get the best quality on both sides awesome and i think that i'll come back to that community event please in a minute because um what i'm start what i've seen in the last six months of everything's happened is this kind of this this appearance or rather emergence of micro communities where Slack, Discord, and just people just getting together just to share ideas and it's not even like an event, it's like an event that's happening all the time and people dip dip in and out of it. So from the, um, I'm not a financial um, expert, so term sheets and all that kind of things, um, I get what they they mean, but what I picked up on there is um, how they want to be approached from the people looking for, for money. And that kind of feels like a kind of a marketing-y type uh, sort of question. So what what can you give a bit of insight without giving too much of what your report is gonna share, um, share? What sort of things, if there are any VCs or entrepreneurs or anybody listening to this, how what sort of things should they think about when it comes to approaching somebody to give them a lot of money for, for their idea or their product or their service? Well, in- interestingly, the, <clears throat> the way that startups pitch to
1: funds is very similar to the way funds pitch to their own investors right and there's a lot of similarity because ultimately you're asking someone else for money yeah um, and the the, the the three most important aspects both for early stage companies and funds to consider clearly the team is the biggest one that funds always talk about right. but actually what often they fail to realize is that when they own when they're pitching their own funds to their own investors yep. actually them as a team is also as important as when okay. they into the team as entrepreneurs. So clearly, the team and the people are the most important thing all the way up the value chain. And um, the second element that, that is, is important is actually that the, the idea and, and the product. And the product for an entrepreneur might obviously be a, you know the goods, the services, or yeah. it might be that the software, whatever they're selling. But the product, the product for the fund, they don't have any. They don't have any physical goods they're selling. What they're selling is the idea that they can identify the very best entrepreneurs and pick from the thousands and thousands of companies they see each year, Mm -hmm. pick the winning dozen that are going to generate returns for their investors. And so therefore, what they're selling is the ability to pick the winners, the ability to see all the different companies that are raising, and also the ability to convince them to work with them. And I think the, 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 a lot of the stuff that you're doing, Alex, personally around the sales and marketing, mm-hmm. massively to these organizations because the whole, the whole way of actually generating the best returns for the fund is essentially seeing as many companies as possible. Yeah. And the way that you see as many companies as possible is to shout the loudest in the market and to run workshops, webinars, yeah. conferences, sponsor events, and to actually be out there and present your brand because the, the the whole the whole idea of what they're selling is effectively the brand. Yeah. Whereas an entrepreneur, yes, sales and marketing is important, absolutely, especially if you're selling to a consumer, but not as important as a fund, which which lives off the fact that it gets you know really interesting
0: companies and entrepreneurs coming their way. I think that's I. I, I mean, you learn something new every day, and that's why I enjoy do enjoy doing this, and was really keen to get you on because I hadn't even considered that concept of the 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 fund. Is having to almost sell quasi futures to people with deep pockets, going, we're the best people to find the best bets that's going to give you a whatever x um uh x return. Yeah, but there's no there's no guarantee in um, in anything. So that's a really hard, really hard concept to to sell because it is kind of a conceptual a uh, conceptual thing. So in terms of like presenting the team and, and and ideas, and I don't know in terms, again, because the people they're talking to, they may not use social media, they may not in terms of the, the entrepreneurs, the high net worth individuals and, uh, and so on. So how do they go about kind of getting that message across before they've even necessarily got to this stage without having that ability to actually Pitch. So how, what's the, What do they have to do, kind of upfront, to actually get the person's attention in the first place? With the, because I imagine entrepreneurs get hundreds of people going, "Give us a cash, give us a cash, give us a cash." So, what will they do to then make them stand out from everybody else who's kind of take, treading the, the normal path, as it were? So, it's, and that's why it's so difficult. Um, and so, okay. the way that
1: that family officers, which are the entrepreneurs you're talking yeah. about, who, who have exited a business and who are looking to reinvest, all yeah. it's simply. Um, people that have got money um and are interested in in actually investing into companies of course it's also corporates who've got a balance sheet to invest in funds so it's, it's a it's a real mix of array so the first i guess answer to that question is it depends on the 50 different organizations in yeah. that, that you're presenting to the the ones that are very for example one of the big organizations that invest in funds is pension funds mm-hmm. and you're not gonna you're not going get investment if you send a cold email to a chief investment officer of a pension you're not going to get an investment the next day whereas if you're a startup and you're you know you're an awesome company and you just yeah. so happen to get lucky and cold email of funds and they can turn it around in two weeks then you know great but yeah. if you were if you're a vc looking for a, a pension um, mm-hmm. invest in you it's a two to three year process. Likely. Uh, one of the insights of the report is you've got to meet, I think, between five and ten times physically, and you know, now COVID might change that, but five or ten proper meetings, rather than just one or two look at them in the eye and actually make a decision. So the whole, the whole process is very different. If you look at our, if you look at Family Office, for example, they're rarely on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, they don't use social media, and the main reason is, you know, people with money, Typically, like, don't want to what hide, yeah,
0: <laughs> for varying reasons.
1: <laughs> the, the way to the way to connect with with those um, individuals is is typically through a referral, yeah, um, of of some kind, and that's about it. You can you might get lucky, and you can mm-hmm. spray and an email hundreds of them at the time, a couple yeah. might reply. But really, the, the best way of getting a uh, an, is, is through an introduction, and yeah. and that's what's so difficult. Um, so actually, when, when we speak and advise the startups on when they're raising their fund, mm-hmm. we can't tell them they've got it easy because it's bloody difficult, it takes them six to months, but they've got it a hell of a lot easier than these um, first-time yeah. funders that have got to find people to invest in them. As, as you say, you know, invest in the future ability to pick
0: the yeah. best entrepreneurs. Crikey! Um, yeah, but anyway, if, if, if anything in life was easy, you know, there, there's no no such thing as a magic money tree, is there? I wish there was. So, kind of flipping it around the other way, then. And part of why I wanted to, um, you know, chat to you around this is then we got the. It was that you shared an article, I believe, that the VCs who aren't investing in kind of social media marketing, etc., they're now kind of it's kind of almost flipped on its head that there are almost too many VCs for the startups to choose from. And it's the more, you've already said this, the ones that kind of shout the loudest, make the most most amount of noise. And I think the one that was cited here, they run podcasts, they do videos, they do this and that, to get them out in front of the the next best thing to present themselves to the next tech billionaire, whoever that might um, might be. So that they go, we're gonna go to you because you actually seem um, seem pretty sensible. So what, what are you seeing on that side from VCs actually having to practically market to find the right people find the right investment opportunities i should say um i think again it
1: depends on the type of vc so the very the top five in europe yeah um which which for, for entrepreneurs that are listening um the index and boltons and excels of the world mm-hmm. um, they are typically not um talking as loud anymore yeah. and we don't see them as much in the market doing workshops and all sorts yeah. that's because they already see everything and so they they, 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 they are. They're they sort exist, and they've got such a great brand. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be out there in the market yeah. as much. It's the, it's the, it's the next level mm-hmm. of, of funds that may not be as well known, who are looking to partner and to do podcasts and to do workshops. Yeah. And we're, what we're seeing a lot of the moment is a lot of uh, content being produced. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the partners, a lot of the associates and managers in those funds are producing really interesting content yeah. that therefore gets read by startups and. Mm-hmm. As you know, that you know rolls over to um, yeah. more towns and more organic search. Um, we're also seeing a lot of funds build Venture Scouts um, models. Okay. Where these Venture Scouts um, are effectively individuals that are out in the market that represent the, the fund. Yeah. And they talk about the fund and then they introduce the companies they see to the fund. And so that's a really nice way of saying, Instead of, having, instead of having a team of five or 10 people, mm-hmm. let's have a team of 20 yeah. you know, in different geographies, in different countries, different nationalities, all very diverse people, mm-hmm. then they can show them and send them interesting companies.
0: So that's another thing that we're seeing in the market The funds, funds are doing. So it's a bit like football scouts, I guess, when they go around all the football stadiums to in the, in the lower yeah. league, go and find the best, you know, the future, Messi or, uh, or um, uh, whomever. And, um, then from the the and this is kind of what I what I've supported you on and when you're at PwC on uh, around the, the the VCs, it's kind of the then what they also need to do is think about how they're using whatever channel it is to market and communicate and how they go about approaching um, uh, people. And you know a lot of the people that, that I've work with, you know they come from tech backgrounds or they're engineers or they then you know, then they're, they're not sales or marketers by back by nature, and this is quite an alien concept to even have a com, you know a cold conversation with somebody or we'll do cold outreach, a cold connection on uh, on LinkedIn. So were you, what are you seeing in that kind of space and what, what VCs are having to, not VCs, forgive me, what scale-ups and startups are having to do and think, especially in the current climate where we can't have face-to-face meetings. So what are you kind of, what trends are you seeing recently around that? Um, so we're seeing a lot of uh,
1: cold inbound email oh. Um, today I've had a couple of dozen of. There's a lot of tricks now people are using where they email you and they start subject line saying re re mm-hmm. they, they pretend that you've already
0: re-read it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there's all sorts of tricks they're using. I, I, I find that people are now seeing through that. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of, um, of a cold email push. Mm-hmm. We're generally very open to cold emails um, yeah. if they're specific and they don't um, come every five times a day. <laughs> Um, so that's that's being used a lot, yeah. We're seeing, I did a post on this about um, recently around LinkedIn. I find that mm-hmm. now starting to get a lot more spammy than it used to be, yeah. About five years ago, um, I used to every every message there was some thought and some personalization, um, now it's just saying the same message popping, popping, pasted across um, multiple days, and
0: um. Yeah, the challenges of automation, uh, which LinkedIn is trying to, well, LinkedIn slash Microsoft, obviously, are trying to um, clamp down on, but the minute they shut one down, another one pops up somewhere else, usually in some, you know, based on some strange uh, uh, strange yeah. but it's,
1: it's certainly, but obviously, the, the social media still, and LinkedIn especially, is still the number one way of being able to engage and talk about what you're what doing yeah. um, in the world. Um, other things we've seen from, from companies is short videos. Okay. Yeah. So, um short, two or three-minute videos that they send. Yeah, and, uh, you can watch when you want. And now we're actually looking to um, advise some of the companies that we're working with before they wrap out for funding. To mm-hmm. Actually, make these little snippets because um, it's a it's a new way of engaging, mm-hmm. and it's a much more it's a lot more engaging than email. And another trend that I've seen personally is that I was always a bit wary of video. Yeah. Um, when we're in an office and you're mm-hmm. sat on a, on a corporate desk and. Yeah. Uh, I never really saw the appeal, but now you're at home. Yeah, exactly. but I can see that tripling, you know, more than tripling actually the level of engagement that because people, if they're watching a video at home, are very happy to put the sound up. Yeah. If an office with a hundred different people around you and open and fan, I never really saw the the appeal. So I think video, video now and, and through through pitching or through telling them what they're up to, is is doing. Um, it's probably going to come back back
0: around i think you, you raise a really interesting point though I mean, linkedin is it's all over the place at the moment they're rolling out some massive huge updates because they've got a quarter market and one of the things they're doing is within um and this is gonna be interesting to see how marketeers leverage this um, you can now use video in messenger you've been able to do that for a while even 60 second video note but you had to be connected to the person the next iteration of all of this is again you have to be connected but you can now fire up a live video chat like we're doing right now in through zoom through teams through um uh, what have you there are products like loom which uh, supports this kind of video uh, video outreach and I'm in a few of these, as I said, touched on these micro communities which kind of popped up within sales and marketers. And you kind of touching on this, it's in, it's it's interrupting people's normal pattern. And video video, when done well, and video is no different to a cold email. The content has to be thoughtful. There has to be some, you know, something that's going to catch their attention rather than just, hello, my name is Alex. And I like to talk to you about go away. I'm not um uh not interested but my fear is is that they'll it'll have its moment and then it will just become a mass to, mass tool of use a bit like email marketing is and then we're going to go want to go back to just having um uh, you know there will be fatigue around uh, around all this but i think certainly what the pandemic has demonstrated that for the foreseeable you know video is 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 the only way to one of the only ways to communicate and you know, I'm on TikTok. Irrespective of what you think about TikTok, you look at the next generation that are on there. Some of these uh, these young, you know, guys and girls, their video editing, editing skills are insane. I mean, they're completely off the scale around what they can actually achieve on these uh, on these smartphones. So, you know, for some of these, it's going to be, I think, a huge huge business opportunity for them to support people to actually make their video more impactful and more um uh, more uh, more effective. Uh, I the, the the video aspect as well. I've,
1: I've made I did a couple of phone calls the other day, and as soon as you call someone non-video, people find find it quite refreshing and can relax. But.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. I, I'm trying to move to just having a telephone call rather than you know the, these uh, the, the, this kind of environment because it's also hard work just staring at a screen for uh, x hours. Um, uh, X hours a day. But I absolutely, you know, completely agree. Short snippet, a 60 second, 90 second kind of intro, which leads on to uh, something else can be, you know, immensely, uh, immensely powerful, like anything else, when done well and deployed correctly. And please don't do video for video's sake. I am starting to see people give it a go, which is great, but it's like, yeah, you just shouldn't, don't do that again, please, because it's just not, you're just not a natural, and I get it, because it's, you know, it, it is un, um, uh, uh, uncomfortable. So just picking uh- up. I mean, you've got to be brave for it. I, 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 There's a lot of people that have come up on
1: my newsfeed uh, on the video and, I, and I've had the same impression of you, but actually
0: give them the kudos because oh, of the completely. That they've done it. 100% the, the fact that they've, that, that they've done it. Um, but there's a there's sometimes I see people doing content for content's sake because they're trying to, they feel, and of course, it's stay in lane and do what you're good at so if you're really good at writing articles just stay writing articles and this is now we're starting to see a blend of you needed you know someone someone does need to be good at video someone needs to be good at podcasts someone needs to be good at you know copying um uh, and writing and blending you know, blend those skills to um uh together I just want to pick up on this this concept of the micro uh, communities, which I'm starting to see kind of burgeon within, uh, certainly within sales and marketing. And I'm now, I'm actually immersing myself in conversations around cold outreach, cold calling, cold email, because while certainly in our world, it doesn't really work. There are definitely markets that it does work because some of the valuations of some of these tech companies that, um, uh, that do this. But what's been fascinating is that they've been born out of kind of frustration. That lean is a great place to connect and to kind of have conversation, but it's a public platform. It's a networking tool is crap. Um, Twitter is just a car crash. Facebook, Facebook groups, um, okay, but Slack, we all to that is is an awesome piece of kit. And what's there's this one called Rev Genius, which has gone from like zero to six thousand members in the space of around four months, proving there was this need for kind of just community to come together. And it's not to pitch, it's not to sell, it's just to share um, share ideas. So it'd be interesting to see kind of see. How your how you develop around creating these? It's free to come and join. Free to come and have a have a conversation. Whether you see something like that potentially working in uh, in your world? Um, I agree. Yeah, that, absolutely.
1: I think the that it's a bit like the next wave of marketplaces. Yeah. and Next wave of selling. It's, you've got the eBay's and mm-hmm. kind of the world, but actually now all the a lot of the VCs and a lot of startups, they're creating these micro places with specialists for X, specialists for Y. We're we're, we're looking to work with a company that does um, chalets, rent shallow yeah. you can go on booking.com and do the same thing but actually if you're looking for a specific area you okay. can go on a specific website and actually everything is catered for that so it's similar to this in a sense i think that's where the future is going yeah. uh, in terms of communities in the venture space there's a lot of slack groups mm-hmm. uh, we've got at least a dozen or so mm-hmm. uh, across different um, different organizations different individuals um the tele- there's a lot of groups on telegram as well yeah. which is essentially whatsapp for vcs um strangely it's just got all investors on there yeah um, and i'm sure that will be a bit like linkedin was, was just for university students i'm sure everyone will on to telegram
0: when um, people are sick of whatsapp indeed or discord. Um, i'm on a, i'm on a discord group which is primarily aimed at gamers and it's just it's just insane it's a whole new took me a while to wrap my head around everything that was happening uh happening in there but yeah, this young generation it's just kind of second um uh second nature to them um Awesome. Uh, where can people uh, find you if they are wanting to learn more about what you and the team do and how you can help them either from the VC side or from the you know looking for, to find people to invest in them?
1: Sure. So they can find us on Google on Mapside Ventures. Um, we try to share a lot of resources on there. So if you're a startup, we've got a bunch of resources. If you're a VC, we're, lo- we're launching our report next month and we're also going to be building out a lot of articles on on supporting them raise on their next um, the next funds. Um, mm-hmm. Out, look at, look out for that yeah and um, otherwise um we do quite a lot of workshops on fundraising um, and yeah. probably one or two a week um we're big fans of producing a lot of content a bit like what i was talking about with vcs yeah. on the importance of sales marketing mm-hmm. we're we're doing that stuff as well because ultimately the more companies we see the more we can pick the best ones and ultimately help the best ones raise raise money so we're, we're doing a lot online um but that's that's probably the best way of engaging with us. And you can find, you can drop me an email on Jonathan at com.
0: Uh, I try to reply to them all apart from if it's uh, um, a bit of Spanish. <laughs> Don't start with re in the <laughs> subject line. Um, fantastic. I will put the links to the website. I'll put the link to your LinkedIn profile if that's okay as well. Maybe some people want to come in uh, coming through uh, through that route, but my email is the best way to, uh, to get in touch. Um, Jonathan, thank you so much for your uh, your time. I know you are absolutely super busy at the moment, so I really do appreciate it. And everybody, as always, thank you for tuning in, listening um, or watching if you're on uh, on YouTube. If you've got any uh, anybody you want to hear on this or you yourself want to be on it, then please do uh, reach out to me. You know where to find me across the multiple platforms on uh, social media. But otherwise, uh, Jonathan, thank you. I'll let you get on with the rest of the day. And for uh, everybody else, enjoy the rest of the day, evening, morning, uh, wherever you are.